Hi friends, Jim and Lynn with you again from uh, uh, over a month now of being safe at home, <laughs> yes. sheltering in place. We've been uh, so safe, honey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do work at being safe with each other. It's been a little harder for us, even just a married couple alone for the most part, uh, to be safe with each other. And we know that there's a lot of families who we serve because we heard from so many on the survey that, that you returned to us that there's a lot of families that are struggling uh, in their homes to feel safe with each other. Uh, and we want to talk today about that, especially as it relates to a, an issue we heard about frequently in the survey, which is those households where there's one child in particular that's struggling. And so if that's you, hang on here for a few minutes. I, I think we have some hope and help for you. And I know, Lynn, you've spent a lot of time coaching with families that describe like that, who have this one child that is sort of fiercely out of balance with the rest of the family and then draws the negative attention, the negative emotions, uh, the resentments start to build from parents to child, from child to parents, from sibling to sibling. Uh, and the snowball gets rolling and things get out of control fast as this dynamic uh, progresses. And um, you've helped parents through this. Uh, and I know you start with kind of helping parents understand what might be going on with that child. Absolutely. Because if parents really can get in the shoes of their kids, that's the first step to really being able to have a helpful response. And what I've seen is it's not so much that these kids start out as I just want to be the child in the family that gets negative attention, or I really want to pick on my siblings, you know, or all those things that, you know, judgments that parents can have going mm -hmm. into their interactions with that child. Uh, if we poke around, we really discover mm -hmm. that, that the child's got kind of one of three things going on as I've watched kids and families over the decades, um, that it's either either stressed, like by external circumstances, and there's certainly a lot of those going mm -hmm. on these days, or they're anxious, they've got that sensitive uh, wiring that's maybe highly gifted, highly sensitive, uh, sensory issues, something like that, um, or they're discouraged, they just feel second rate. Mm. Uh, maybe they've got learning learning challenges or they feel inferior to siblings or like you love the siblings more. There's something going on that would fit those categories of stress, anxious, or discouraged. Which is an acronym that spells the word SAD. SAD, yeah. And uh, <laughs> as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about myself as a parent back in the day dealing with kids that were SAD, that were stressed, anxious, discouraged. Um, and that, that was not usually the label I gave that behavior. It was usually problem. Uh, it was your pain. It was, and I would say to you things like, why is this kid so selfish all the time? Why doesn't this kid get it? We've told him a hundred times. And, and when we hear ourselves say those sorts of things, then we need to acknowledge that there's a judgment in our heart that's overlooking the sad part. And sad is an acronym that really, it, it spells out the word sadness and at a core, most of the kids who are acting in these ways truly underneath it all have a deep sadness, as most of us do right now mm -hmm. at a time like this. Right. We've lost so many things that are normal mm -hmm. and we're grieving and our kids are no exception. Yeah. And it's difficult because you may be feeling, well, stressed, anxious, and discouraged. That describes me um, mm -hmm. as a parent. And so it's, it's tough to be able to rise above that and really understand our kids well. But you know, sometimes it's just a matter of understanding that neurology. And I find it fascinating that in my research poking around on the internet, I found that serotonin imbalances are common in kids. And when that happens, the kids are easily angry, aggressive, impulsive, irritable, anxious, discouraged, and don't sleep well. So does that sound like this child perhaps? Mm. 
And there was one of these kiddos that was just more intense. And she described this inner turmoil of, I want to do well, but I just can't. It's like my body is working against me. And Maria was four years old when after a busy morning with lots of kids, she said, my brain couldn't make my body stop being mean. My heart is kind, but my body doesn't listen. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, I feel like I could have said something like that a number of times, even in the last months. Right, right. What insight from a four-year-old. I know. So when our kids are experiencing that kind of thing, what do they do? They offload their stress onto those that they love, mm. <laughs> their siblings, their parents. Um, and, and oftentimes that's when they get a negative reaction, um, lecture consequences, that builds that problem child identity and that's the, how the spiral happens. So are you suggesting that these kids might be doing the best they know how to do to express their sadness? In a lot of ways they are. Wow. It doesn't take, you know, free will and sin and all that stuff out of it, but that's a lot of what's For happening. Sure. So how do we how do we how do we get beneath this? Because yeah. part of what I hear you saying with this mom and uh, was it little Maria mm -hmm. um, was that mom got to a, a place herself where she could see beneath and and let go of the need to control this all the time and start to have compassion for her sad mm -hmm. child. Yep. Yeah, this mom said, Maria, we'll get this all figured out. I love your kind heart and it shines through even when your body doesn't listen. Hmm. What a start to compassion. And when we engage with compassion, then we can also engage as an ally and a coach to communicate, I'm strong enough to handle your difficult feelings. The Holy Spirit comes alongside to comfort and help me so that I can do that for you. So I've got a couple of quick examples to make this super practical for you. A mom, Sandra, had a daughter, Julia. Julia was very intense, could get going and talking more and more upset about what she was upset about till she ramped up into an explosion. And Sandra just took breath, listened to the Lord, came up with a new strategy for Julia. And um, the next time that happened, she said, Julia, you have some mm. big feelings. Let's set the timer for three minutes and you can tell me everything you're feeling about wow. what you're upset about for three minutes and then we'll start to problem mm. solve. And she listened well and engaged and empathized for three minutes and then they problem solved. Mm. So it's just a practical example of a parent who set aside their judgment and engaged well. Mm. Um, another mom would go in with sibling conflict, knowing who was at fault and just adding to the chaos until she got a, a, a vision to be an ally and a coach. And then she helped her kids develop rules about sharing and conflict yeah. resolution. And she engaged as a teacher. And she said, I, the other day, my, I heard my daughter say to my son, we can figure this out ourselves. <laughs> and they did it. So at the core of what I'm hearing you say, Lynn, and, and we talk about this in so many different ways, in other places, and it comes back to this again, is that the important thing here for us is to really uh, establish a new goal. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of the goal of eliminating the chaos and making the behavior go away and stopping the bad child from doing the bad things and working hard to get the bad child to do more good things, which tends to create this discouraging uh, cycle, um, I hear you saying it's time to set a new goal, which is really, again, it's about strengthening our foundation. It's about uh, having a goal to bring God's grace, God's truth to us. Mm -hmm. And then a sense of compassion for these sad children whose sadness is compelling them to act in all kinds of ways that are an expression of that sadness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So parents, uh, we hope that you can take these stories, this encouragement, recognize the sadness in your kids 
uh, and, and get to a place in your heart for compassion. Little by little, I remember for me as a young dad, it wasn't you know, a half hour of reflection at a time because <laughs> life was moving too fast. It was, it was little sayings that I put in my head. And I, I think you've, you've mentioned some of these. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, for me, the saying was, I can bring God's peace to this. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I can be a person of peace in the middle of this chaos. That's my job. Their job is to, to respond to that, not to my big, powerful directions. So we invite you uh, to, to think on these things. Do you want to give a closing word and pray us out? Here? I'm just going to pray us out. All right. Um, Lord, we're so thankful that you are the Holy Spirit that comes alongside to comfort and encourage so we can turn and comfort and encourage our kids. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.